The second Bible reading today comes from Revelation chapter 4. In my Bible, it's on page 1289. Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with somebody sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, And seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. In the centre, around the throne, were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give honour, glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives for ever and ever, The twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, uh, Beck, for reading uh, God's word to us this morning. Revelation chapter 4. We're going to uh, pray and ask God to help us understand uh, this passage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We pray that your spirit will move and lead us, help us to understand it, also apply it in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, what a week this past week has been in the political world uh, with Britain vote in to exit the EU. All Europeans here this morning, I wonder what your thoughts are. Eh? For all Germans and Dutch and all, any others, I see a few in front of me right now, I don't know what your thoughts are. But anyway, there you go, okay? Uh, Britain, now, I mean, who would have thought uh, the, the political commentators for observing these events uh, said, well, the Remain party will, Britain will remain. But there you go, you never know what happens. 
In fact, many were of the opinion that Britain would never exit the EU. But they did. And the exit from the EU saw the resignation of uh, the, the Prime Minister of Britain, uh, David Cameron. I was reading the Financial Review yesterday, uh, which had an interesting article titled, A Shock That Could Derail the Global Economy. A Shock That Could Derail the Global Economy. Now only time will tell us the economic and political ramifications of this decision for Britain and for the rest of the world and in particular the EU countries. No doubt, friends, there are many challenges that are facing, that is facing our world, constant challenges in this world. Uh, we are confronted with the threat of terrorism, confronted with the unprecedented movement of people groups, the refugee crisis. We are confronted with the economic challenges in this world. I was speaking to someone yesterday on economics, and this person was saying to me, we live in troublesome times in terms of economics and finances in the world. It's an unsettling period. Perhaps you look at your own life this morning, and you're going through challenges. Untold challenges, perhaps. And you're wondering what's happening with your own life yourself today. And so how should we respond to events in this world and also perhaps in our own lives? How could we have certainty in a world of uncertainty? What are we to make of this world? What sense can we make of this world? Is there really someone in control of this world? Is there really someone in control of this world? And if so, who is it? Who is it? We know that politicians come and go, don't they? Next week, by this time, we will know who is the new Prime Minister of this country. I think we've had, but how many? I think five Prime Ministers in the midst of five, six years so far in Australia, right? I mean, that's like a revolving door, isn't it? End of this year, we'll have a new, well, next year, January, a new president in the United States. President Obama will finish his term uh, in, in January. Who would be the next president? Would it be Trump? Would it be Clinton? Who knows? So leaders come and leaders go. They become yesterday's people, don't they? But who is in control of this world? How could we have certainty? Well, friends, we've been studying. We've been working our way through uh, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, and we concluded that last uh, Sunday, and today we're going to look at uh, Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, which is our text for this morning, and I'm going to refer to various aspects of that chapter. So if you have your Bibles open, have a look at it, because the scene changes from the immediate concerns about the church on earth, the seven churches, to that of heaven, to that of a throne in heaven, which is a captivating vision. In fact, chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation tell us the center of God's authority, that of His Son, the Redeemer Jesus Christ, and God Himself, chapter 4. And in chapter 4, we're reminded that in spite of all the attacks upon the church by Satan and the forces of darkness in this world, God's people are assured that there is one who is seated on the throne. The one who does not change. And we will look at that this morning. What a great comfort and assurance as we live our lives in the midst of uncertainties around us. And so this morning, 
I've titled the message, God Reigns. Do you believe that? God Reigns. And as we look at these two verses, uh, these three verses, I, I will link them with the rest of the chapter so that we get a grasp of the essence of this wonderful vision. Two points, the invitation and secondly, the throne. Let's have a look at the invitation in verse 1. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Now, friends, this is the second time that John, who is banished in the island of Patmos, has been lifted beyond these human senses. He is now experiencing at this point in time a transcendent and divine experience. And this Apostle John is led by the Spirit, is carried above, as it were, to the scenes of heaven. And so we're going to navigate our way through this passage. After this, or after these things, John says, is a phrase that we come across, we came across in Revelation chapter 1, and one that will come up in the book on other occasions. The Apostle John is not giving us a chronology of the future, as it were, going to take place in, in, in a connected form, but he's simply telling us how we receive the visions. And John looks and he sees a door standing up, standing open in heaven. He says here, I looked, behold, a door is standing, uh, stands open for me. He stands in utter astonishment. A door stands open in heaven to give John access to it and to the vision that he is about to see. And so the Apostle John in in his 90s, now banished on the island of Patmos for his faith in Christ, is given a unique opportunity to look into heaven and to describe what he has heard and what he has seen. And in that sense, all of us can have a glimpse of heaven. Now you might say, well, I wish I was John. Because I would have loved to have a vision of this. I would have loved to see this door open. But in one sense, we have it here for us today, don't we? We join and we see God's word. And it tells us that he sees this open door of heaven. You see, heaven is a place. It is a place of God's dwelling. The point is that the Bible does speak of a place called heaven. A place for his people. Now Martin Luther, the great German theologian. Right, this is what he said. And the great reformer, by the way, next, uh, next year will be the 500th anniversary of the Reformation in, um, in Germany. Maybe we should get a tour organized to go. Maybe you can send your minister there and his wife. That would be good, isn't it? He said this. I can send John and Yvonne as well. We can all go. I would not give one moment of heaven for all the joy and riches of the world, even if it lasted for thousands and thousands of years. Say, heaven is a place that God has got for us. And so the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Come up here, and I will show you what must take place. What did he hear? What did he see? He hears a voice. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. And whose voice is this, friends? Who do you think this voice is? 
Look at Revelation chapter 1 verses 10 and 11. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. So whose voice is this? This is the voice of Jesus. That's the voice. It tells us, friends, this morning that Jesus is alive. Correct? That's why we're here, right? That's why we had a testimony this morning. We don't worship a dead Savior. This is the voice of Christ. He speaks. Have you ever heard a dead person speak? A few weeks ago, I did a funeral service at a particular funeral parlor. And I was back in the office. I always ask an office where I can go and spend a few moments of silent prayer and so forth, preparing myself. And the undertaker came and said to me, uh, Pastor, would you like to come up with me? I want to get to the coffin. I said, yeah, why is that? I've got to put this ring on the deceased person. I said, really? Okay. So we walked up there. The, 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 the thing is, the, the, the lid is open. And she takes the, the hand. And I'm standing there watching all of this taking place. Thinking, Man, what's going on here? Uh, and she takes the ring, puts the ring on the finger. See you later, darling. <laughs> and closes the lid. So I said, okay, that's fine. And we went back. Now imagine if that person, that dead body had said, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, I would have fallen dead there, right? <laughs> I would have died. But that dead body could not speak. It's dead ass. The hand's taken, the ring is put on the finger, and, and the hand is put back on the body, and the undertaker says, see you, goodbye darling, not see you, like, goodbye darling, and that's it, and the lid's put on. If that body had said, thank you so much, Wow, I've been finished. You see, Jesus, if he's dead, he cannot speak. And he speaks because he's alive. And we know that. And John says, I heard this voice. And this Jesus who is alive speaks. And so Jesus, the living one, speaks as if like a trumpet. And the voice calls out, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Come up here. Remember Moses? He went up to Mount Sinai to meet with God. Exodus 19. The Apostle Paul was caught up to heaven. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Ezekiel saw heaven opened. And this is what Ezekiel said this. In the 13th year, in the 4th month, on the 5th day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Sheba Canal, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. And now in our text this morning, John has a door opened for him to get a glimpse of heaven. And the Lord in doing so, I believe, gives us, who have not had this honor, to also share with John a glimpse of heaven. We too, even though we did not have the same experience as John, can also share in that excitement and to some extent in that experience today. Come up here and I will show you. John is shown what must take place including the entire revelation from chapter 4 right up to 22.5. You see, friends, what happened to Jesus? After the ascension of Jesus into heaven, God lays out in broad outline in the book of Revelation the character of the entire age leading right up to the second coming of Jesus. So the book of Revelation does not give us all the details of God's plan, nor should we look to every future newspaper headlines to see what will happen to this world. But it does give us in broad outlines the direction in which God is moving in his plans 
and for this world. It tells us the things which must happen, both realized and unrealized events to take place leading to the return of Jesus in his second coming. Well, what does John actually see? Look, look at this passage after this I looked, and behold, me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit. Think about that. The Holy Spirit brings him into a location from where he will see this vision. And the Spirit controls the entire visionary process. One theologian puts it this way. When a person is in the spirit and being in that state as a vision, there is a suspension of conscious contact with the physical environment. So this is what is taking place. John is in the spirit. And what does he see? He sees a throne that stood in heaven. And it is said that John uses this word throne 47 times out of a total of 62 times in the New Testament. And John's readers were very familiar with the earthly thrones. Remember Caesar. And now John, led by the Spirit, is shown a throne that is above every throne on earth. And notice what he says in the text. A throne stood in heaven with one, what is it? Seated on the throne. And then look at your Bibles, friends. He who sat there, verse 3, at the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow, and at the appearance of an emerald. John is so caught up. He is so caught up with who he sees on this throne, that is, he cannot even bring his mind to describe how great this person on the throne is. And so he uses precious stones, the stones that he uses is jasper. It's like a diamond. Seen diamond rings? They're very expensive, aren't they? Right? Diamonds. The jasper is like a diamond. We see that in Revelation 21. The carnelian is a dark red, orange red, or reddish brown stone. And these precious stones, when combined together, describe for us the majesty and the splendor of the one who is seated on the throne. This is God. And John cannot even bring himself to describe who God is. Because no one can see God and live. And so here he is. He's trying to describe this person who is on the throne. As the amazing reflection of amazing light and brilliance. That is the God that you and I are privileged to worship. The majesty of God. The awesomeness of God. This God who sits there on the throne, John says, is like a diamond. It's like a carnelian. And then there is a rainbow encircled the throne like an emerald in appearance. John sees the rainbow. Now the rainbow, friends, is a sign of God's promise that he would never destroy the earth again with a flood. And John sees this rainbow and he has an appearance of an emerald signifying God's mercy and grace. Wow, what a picture. You think about that. There's the throne. There's a rainbow. The light is an emerald. And the, 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 the light that is coming out is like a diamond. Brilliance. The carnelian, red. 
and the brilliance of God who sits on the throne. Wow. What a picture. What a picture of our God. See, when all of this is combined, I said it's pure light. The one on the throne is the God of heaven and earth. Indescribable. We sing a song, don't we? Indescribable. That's who he is. He's seated on the throne, which signifies everything. Signifies, let me highlight some of these things. Signifies his authority. Signifies his grace. Signifies his power. Signifies his royalty. Signifies his majesty. The queen celebrated her 90th birthday. We don't know how long she will live. And then someone else will rise to the throne, right? But in this instance, the throne is always occupied. No one else will occupy that throne. No one can and no one will. He is from ever, from everlasting. And that's the God of grace. He's on the throne. God is giving this message. See, we need to remember that John's primary recipients of this letter to the seven churches are the believers and followers of Jesus Christ who lived in the first century A.D. The seven letters, chapters 1 to 3, as we looked at, tells us that persecution was part of the life of many believers in the early church. And because Christians rejected emperor worship, they were subjected to discrimination, physical suffering, and in some cases, even death. But God is giving a message to this world and to the church of all ages. I am on the throne. All earthly leaders will come and they'll be gone. And we may remember them no more. You remember who was the Prime Minister of Australia 30 years ago? Maybe you do. Do you remember who was the president of the U.S. 50 years ago? You might, you might. But we don't sit and talk about that person, right? You know who is the Chancellor of Germany at the moment? Angela Merkel, right? Who was it 50 years ago? I don't know. I can't even remember who was the president of Sri Lanka 25 years ago. There you go. But our God sits there enthroned forever. And so no wonder John is so overwhelmed by the sight that it is too glorious for him to describe. One writer puts it very well. He says this, through his vision, we are transported into the control tower for the entire universe. From this vantage point, as we understand the controller and his plans, things fall into place. And even when they escape our comprehension, we know the one who does comprehend it all, his plans cannot and will not fail. And he uses the example of a airport. He says, when we go to the airport, I'm sure most of us have gone, we sit down at the window, have a coffee, and we see all these planes coming in, and we see the baggage handlers going, and the cars are going all over the place, and everything else. But from the control tower, they see everything. <laughs> and all that's going on below makes sense for the guys who are in the control tower. Without that, it does not make sense. And so is our God. He looks and he's in the control tower. That's a great illustration, isn't it? Next time you go to the airport, you think about that. 
It's a reminder. You see the control tower. It's a reminder. Hey, God is in control. Right? Yes, we have the controllers in control of the flights and everything else. But ultimately, God is the one in the ultimate control tower. And John doesn't stop there. Very quickly, he expands this. Around the throne, 24 thrones, seated on the throne, verse 4, verse 24 elders clothed with white garments and so forth. The throne, look at verse 5, uh, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits. And before the throne there, were, there was, as it were, a sea of glass, crystal. Twenty-four elders, I believe, represents the twelve tribes of the Old Testament and the twelve apostles of the New Testament, symbolizing the church. The thunder and the lightning of Exodus chapter 19 signifies His judgment and His grace. The seven spirits signifies the work of the Holy Spirit. And what we see here, friends, uh, taking place in, in, in Revelation chapter 4 is Trinitarian uh, Work going on there. God the Father, God the Son bringing John through this and the Spirit there. And it's all happening around the throne. What a place. All around the throne. And then we have these living creatures. Look at verse 7. They're crying out. What are these living creatures? Four living creatures. And they're crying out. What are they crying out? Look at your text. Are they crying out, love, love, love? What's it? Holy, holy, holy. Have you ever stopped to think about the holiness of God? And what that means to Him and to us? Nothing impure will be able to ever get into the presence of God. And that's why I will come to that in a moment. These, these, these creatures are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the, is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Oh friends, what a glorious God this is. And John, he said, come, see, look, this is heaven. This is the throne. This is our God who sits there. And they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And these living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne. And the 24 elders, they fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him. They, they, they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. You created all things. That's why I read today when we commenced our service Remember the psalm? doesn't matter. Psalm 139. <laughs> and what does Psalm 139 tell us? Psalm 139 gives us the character of God. If you look at that psalm, it speaks about, we see the omnipotence of God. That is His powerfulness. We see His omniscience. That is, that is all-knowing. And we also see His omnipresence. Is omnipotent, all-powerful. Is omniscient, is all-knowing. Is omnipresent, is everywhere. And that psalmist says, God knit me together in my mother's womb. Every time we see a newborn baby, what a joy it is. We're reminded, aren't we? You look at your lives this morning and you might think, Ah, oh, look at me, I should be like so and so, I should be like that person, I should be like, I don't have... 
I don't have hair like the other person does. Don't laugh, friends. I was looking at a video. Uh, we are in the process of transferring all our videotapes onto CDs. Right? It's a long process. But I was looking at a video just last week. And I looked at that and thought, man, that's me. What a handsome guy there. All the hair, you know. Right through the process. What's happened? It's gone. But it doesn't matter. God has knit me and knit you together in our mother's womb. Precious and sanctified by Christ when you come to know him. What a great thing to know that, isn't it? That your life has got meaning and has purpose and that he has not created junk. That he's created a human being. This God has created everything. And he deserves the glory. And, 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 and the text is telling us that, that they were created and existed. You created all things. Do you see your life as a creator by God this morning? With all your uniqueness, with all our ridiculous idiosyncrasies and everything else that goes on? That he has made you and has put you in this world and has given you life to live today. In 2016, on the 26th of June, God has spoken and he speaks. This is worship. This is the response to the one who sits on the throne. This calls us to worship. And friends, we read Hebrews, didn't we? We read it together. And what does Hebrews chapter 4 tell us? Tells us very clearly these things. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is with every respect has been tempted as yet as we are yet without sin. And verse 16, let us draw, let us then come with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God calls us to come to him through his son Jesus. This morning, we had the joy of hearing the testimony of Angela. You heard that, right? You heard how God had worked in her life. What a wonderful work of God to bring Angela to himself. What a journey. It's been a long time coming, right? I'm sure the family has been praying. I know that. Before, for a long time, your family had said to me they were praying for both of you. For Eddie and for you, Angela. And God, in his grace today, brought you. That's grace. The throne of grace. What a, what a thing that is, eh? The God who created the heavens and the earth is the God who says, Come to me, the throne of grace. Grace, grace, grace. It's all yours in Jesus. Come with confidence. You know, when we uh, enter buildings and so forth, we have access codes, don't we? We have the swipe cards, right? You swipe and you can get in. Right? I work as a police chaplain. I've got my own cards that I can enter any particular stations. I swipe the card and go in straight away. We have access codes. The access code to heaven is not four digits. Or it's not a swipe card. The access code to heaven is Jesus. And when you know him, you can come to this God. What a joy. Think about that. And this God will flood you with his grace. The amazing grace, the most profound and powerful work of God. He takes a sinner, he transforms a person, gives that person life. And Jesus' death on the cross makes it possible through the working of the Spirit to bring you, as it were, into heaven. Yes, we are living our lives here on earth. We don't know how long we will live for, do you? Do you know how long you're going to live for? 
Come and tell me. I'd like to have a few cups of tea and have a chat about that. <laughs> we don't know that. But one thing we do know is, when we trust him, we have heaven. That's the access code. John Piper uh, puts it beautifully. He says this, God's omnipotent exuberance to do us good is one of the most freeing discoveries a human can make. Oh, that we might believe in and savor it and bring it to mind again and again until it is our very nature to feel the truth that the godly are designed for unknown and inconceivable happiness. What a thing that is. You see, when you know Christ, when you know this God, when you come to Him, He floods you with His joy. Correct? Uh, am I hearing an Amen or something? Huh? Yeah? It's good. <laughs> and He floods you with His happiness. That is His grace comes upon you. What a joy. So friends, as we live with uncertainties in this world, and also in our own lives, let us remember that God reigns. I want to ask you a question this morning. Who is the center of your life? Who is the center of your worship? Is it yourself? Is it something else? Do you as a living, breathing, conscious person have a concrete hope of your future? I hope that by God's grace you do. I remember a song that we sang in my home church that went something like this. I don't know whether we have sung here or maybe you know the song. He's got the whole world. I'm sure you should know that, right? Sunday school kids and so forth. He's got the whole world in his hands. You know that one? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. Oh, you're singing. That's good. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands. And then it goes somewhere. He's got the, you and me, brother and sister and all this. The point is, he's got the whole world in his hands. Someone say, said it this way, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Do you? Do you know this God? He reigns. And this morning, if you don't know this God, you can come to him. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you in faith. Maybe this is the first time you heard this gospel message. Maybe you think the church, or oh, the church is all for old mm, people over 50 years old or something. It's not for me. Or maybe you think the church is an institution that I can't bear to accept. It's not about that, friends. It's about Jesus this morning. And maybe today, you come and say, Lord... The first time I've heard this message, I want you to be the center of my life, to control and to lead and to guide me. And I thank you that in Jesus, I have access to the very throne room of God, anytime, 24-7. What a blessing. May God encourage you this morning and strengthen and equip you in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. That our God reigns, that he is on the throne. Pray this morning that we will reflect upon this. 
if there is anyone here who does not know God, that he or she will come to your son Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, who rose again from the dead, and through faith in Christ alone, we have access to the very presence of God, now and for eternity. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, friends,